0: I want to start today by talking a little bit about uh, giving you a potted history of the dogs of the Pomeroy family, which might seem a bit gratuitous, but like roll with me on this. It's is great. So this, uh, if we go, the first, here is our first dog that we ever had in the Pomeroy family. I used to live in Rwanda in Africa, and this is Vuba. Um, he was a he was a trained killer, if I'm honest with you. He was a complete and utter street dog. We, got it, we picked him up from the carpentry workshop. Um, and he once got out of our house and went um, and knocked over a child. The child fell on some rocks. And it looked like he had bitten the child. He hadn't bitten the child. But in, from then on, everyone in our neighborhood knew him as the killer dog. Um, so it wasn't great. Um, but that's Vuba, and then we moved on to Haraka, who you can see just next to Vuba in the top corner, a little black dog, who Was the complete opposite, a total wetty, was terrified of our cat, which was that tiny little fluff ball there. So it couldn't be more different. Uh, then we came back to England, and we got a dog called Bella. Um, and we have a very cute little video. This is completely gratuitous, I'm sorry. But here's, oh. Here you go. Her enjoying spring last year. <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> so that's Bella, who is, she's a little Jack Russell, um, and she's um, completely useless. She's, Jack Russell's are trained up to go and catch mice and squirrels. She's, we've had her for five years, and she's got one rat and one squirrel, despite her daily attempts to try and catch the squirrels in our garden. So she is the classic example of a dog who's all bark and no bite whatsoever. And in comparison, we have Stanley, who is my cousin's dog, um, and Stanley is the total opposite. He spends most of his time down badger holes, comes back, like, days at a time. We had him, He stayed with us once, and he went away for three days down a badger hole. Came back covered in scars, blood. Um, but he, he definitely won against this badger, I'm pretty sure. Um, he, he is all bite and all bark. Um, and, but the thing is, he looks very similar to Bella. I've got a picture of them together, and they look identical. Um, uh, but they are completely different at the end of the day. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a trivial example, but it's two very different approaches to life that we have between Bella and Stanley. Um, Bella is all bark, no bite, whereas Stanley is the opposite. He follows through with what he says he's going to do. He practices what he preaches. Um, when he barks at a squirrel, he will then catch that squirrel, unlike Bella. Um, and it's a, it's, Bella's way of life seems like a far easier way of life. Um, but uh, as we're going to see in the passage, which Harry's about to come and read for us, God wants us to be Stanley, not Bella. Trust, trust me on this.
1: <laughs> there was a Pharisee, uh, a man named uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with." were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Uh, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wind, w- wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may en- may have entered eternal. Sorry, it's split on my page. I was like, what does that say? <laughs> eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gives He gave His one and only Son. everyone who, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be expo- exposed but whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen painfully that uh, plainly that uh, what they have done has been done in the sight of god thank you harry um, so I think we should, I'm going to start by looking,
0: spending a bit of time looking at Nicodemus and let's understand who he was. Um, and then I think you'll agree with me that my better example is a c- good example. That Nicodemus was a classic example of a, someone who's bark- barking but not quite biting. So who was Nicodemus? We have a picture of him, 100% historically accurate, of course. Um, he was a Pharisee. Um, and a member of the Jewish ruling council, it says in verse 1, which is the Sanhedrin. So he was a clever, clever man. To become a Pharisee, you had to start training as a young boy. You had to memorize the five books of Moses. Uh, You had to go through demanding daily rituals of fasting, prayer, bathing. It was incredibly hard work to reach the position that uh, Nicodemus reached. Um, And he got to an incredibly respected position. And on top of being a Pharisee, he was also a member of the, the Sanhedrin. And to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be a master of mathematics, politics, history, medicine, astronomy. You had to be the top of the top, the social elite. And you had to be rich as well to have succeeded in the Jewish world. Um, And so he was an incredibly intelligent, respected man. Um, And he clearly, when he talked, he was clearly barking. Like, he knew what he was talking about. Um, He had incredible knowledge and understanding of the scripture and the law. So he looked like Stanley from the outside. But when we look at him a bit closer, as we will do, him we will see that he actually wasn't really following through with what he was saying. Um, however, he comes to Jesus, and that's incredibly important, and actually quite amazing, that Jesus, who was an outcast, who was hated by most of the Pharisees, was the person that Nicodemus came to, to come and ask some questions. Um, he came at night, which is a very, also an interesting point. Lots of people have different ideas about why he came at night. Um, maybe he was a bit embarrassed about coming to see Jesus. Maybe his... His pride was hurt of the idea of being seen with Jesus to come and find out more. Um, and it kind of it gives me the impression that his identity was based on his intelligence and his social position. Um, and it, it would, that would main, remain protected if no one saw him going to see Jesus at night. However, as we'll see in a bit, he completely got the wrong end of the stick about this. But he still came, which is very important. And when he does come, he is barking. Well, he's, he, is, he is coming, sounding like he knows what he's talking about. Um, and, in fact, in verse 2 of the passage, he has some incredibly prophetic words about who Jesus is. Um, he, says, he says in verse 2, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. These are incredible words for him to say, especially for a Pharisee who are out to get Jesus. He, he calls out Jesus' identity as God's own son, which is something that Jesus' own disciples take far longer to realize. Um, So he comes out, comes to Jesus, and and identifies who he is. But Jesus comes back at him with what would have been a truly radical, worldview shattering statement in verse 3. Jesus says that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. For most of us here, that's probably not a particular particularly radical idea. We've all heard this idea of being born again, even if we don't quite understand what it means. We've heard Christ, born-again Christians. My mum was in, a, uh, in Uganda last week, and she told me she was chatting to a taxi driver. She asked him if he was an Anglican, and he responded that no, he was born again. It's, an idea, it's, very, it's a common idea in the Christian world, but I, we can't quite understand just how radical this idea would have been for Nicodemus to hear. As an as a, as a Israelite before Jesus, they, the belief was that their racial heritage as God's chosen people was what got them into heaven. So for one of the wisest men of the time who had incredible knowledge of the scripture and the law, and who had himself already recognized that Jesus was a man from God, to, to be told that he was born again would have been incredibly shocking um, and totally shattered his understanding of the world at the time. And it kind of puts Nicodemus's responses to Jesus more into context when we know that. So when he says, "Surely they cannot enter their mother's womb a second time," he's just completely blown away by what Jesus has said. He just hasn't got to grips with what he said at all, um, because Jesus told him that Nicodemus's identity needed to, be, needed to be defined by his belief in Jesus, and that was it. He, Nicodemus, came trying to protect his identity and his intelligence and his social status, and which is why he came at night, but. Jesus tells it shone light onto that issue and Jesus saw that Nicodemus he was barking what he was saying was great but he was all bark no bite what he was saying sounded good but he wasn't living it out in his life no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit Jesus is saying that our identity must be focused on belonging to Jesus uh, before and above anything else As LJ told us earlier, um, she got baptised, I also got baptised a couple of weeks ago. And that's a symbol of us being born again into spiritual life with Jesus. So Jesus called Nicodemus out for holding back, for sticking with his knowledge um, and just not committing to his walk with God. But he does so with some tough love. But he doesn't condemn Nicodemus. He convicts him. And we'll see later that this had a profound effect on Nicodemus, because not a lot, lot of people realise this, but Nicodemus comes back later on in John's Gospel. Um, and we'll we'll see that in a bit. Uh, but I think we need to look first at why Jesus tells us it's important to bark and not just to bite and not just bark. <laughs> um, so verse nineteen uh, to twenty-one says This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When we come to Jesus, our whole life is put under the spotlight. Jesus sees every corner of our life, every grubby corner that we hide from our family and friends, every embarrassing corner, everything that we're ashamed of, everything that we lie to ourselves about. He sees all the areas of our lives where we're barking but not quite biting. And this is going to hurt. The passage says that we love darkness. We as humans love living in the dark. And coming to God like this takes courage and it takes conviction. It involves being vulnerable and honest in front of God. Uh, and this it is not a natural thing for us to do. But the good news is that Jesus loves us despite seeing every aspect of our life. John 3.16 is possibly the most famous verse of the Bible. Um, and, but it's pretty clear in that verse is that whoever come, believes in him will have eternal life. That's not just the people who have been to church, just the people from Christian families. That's whoever believes in Jesus, no matter how messy and dirty our lives are. Um, and if this is your first time hearing that news today, then please come and speak to me or anyone else after the service about how incredible that news is. But there's some more good news as well, because Jesus, Jesus doesn't just tell us to live a Christian life and to follow through with what we are saying in actions and then ditch us to do it by ourselves, because we're human and we fail and we will struggle to live godly life. Look at Nicodemus. He spent his whole life learning about how to, how to be a godly man And then just when he thinks he's reached the top, a part of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee, he gets told by the Son of God himself that he just hasn't got it. It's going to be hard work. Um, But he helps us to do it. Verse 6 says that flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. We're We're all told that we have the Spirit of God in us, and that the Spirit is active in us when we accept Jesus into our lives. And just as a side note, the passage references the, um, the story of Moses holding up the snake in verse 14, which is a reference to, Num- to the book of Numbers chapter 14, where Moses, the, the Israelites were in the desert and they were being attacked by poisonous snake, state, snakes. Um, and God told Moses to put a snake up on a stick, uh, a bronze snake, and whoever looked at it Uh, would be cured of their illness from the poisonous snake bites, And that's a representation of Jesus going up on the cross. Jesus went up on the cross, and all we have to do is look at him and believe. We don't have to do anything specific. Jesus has done it already by dying on the cross. But once we have looked up at the cross and accepted our sin, um, Jesus says that the Spirit is working in in us. This is God in us, and he gives us strength um, to take steps of faith and boldness he helps us to follow follow up our barking with genuine, real biting, which would make Stanley proud. Um, and the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What what that's saying is that once we start taking these steps in the Spirit, the Spirit's going to grow and strengthen within us and keep going, so we can take bigger and bolder steps in that Spirit. And look at our friend Nicodemus. He learned from he came to Jesus to find out how to do this, and Jesus told him, and he did it. So in John chapter 7, verse 50, Jesus, we see Nicodemus defending Jesus in front of the other Pharisees. Verse 50 says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and was one of the Pharisees' number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing to him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it, you'll find that a prophet does not come from Galilee. We're seeing that so no longer is Nicodemus ashamed and coming to Jesus at night. Nicodemus is defending Jesus in front of the people who are out to persecute him, to kill Jesus. Nicodemus is willing to take that mockery from his, his colleagues and his respected elders um, because he's listened to what Jesus told him when he came to see him earlier. And again, in uh, John 19, chapter 19, verse 39, it says, um, he was a, uh, this is after Jesus' death, and Nicodemus was with Joseph of Arimathea putting Jesus' body into the tomb. Uh, It says that uh, Joseph was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, which is about 35 kilos of spices. And this is, we see Nicodemus using his own personal money to honor Jesus at his death, which is such a huge change from the embarrassed Nicodemus that we saw earlier in chapter 3. So, what, 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 I think I want to look at a few areas of our lives which this passage highlights um, and which potentially we may be barking but not quite biting. Um, and we'll look at what we can do to start biting in those areas. So the first one comes from that famous verse, John three sixteen, 16, um, which is, For God so loved the world. That word, world, often gets skipped over just because everyone just assumes it means the world. However, in the Greek, the world, they, the word they use is cosmos or cosmon, um, which means the whole of creation, not just the people of the world. Of course it includes the people, but it means everything. It means the earth, the sky, the plants, the animals, everything in the world. And that's what God, lo- God loved, and that's why he sent his son to the earth. So looking after the planet, and this is a classic area where Christians say that they are all in favour of looking after the planet, but very often don't seem to be doing much to follow through on that. Um, so, and it's not an optional extra. Looking after the planet is an integral part of being a Christian, which a lot of us just forget about. A lot of us are like Bella. We bark, we just don't quite get there. And so maybe it's time to actually do something. Maybe it's time to actually switch your energy supplier to someone who provides renewable energies. Maybe it's time to offset your flights to the other side of the world. Maybe it's time to just start using those recycling bins for the first time. So, and these these differences might seem very small, um, like they're not going to do anything, but we should, that's not for us to decide the effect of what we're saying. This is. When Jesus tells us that we should be looking after the planet. We, are ma- we were made stewards of this planet by God. And it's not up to us to judge how much of an effect our actions are going to have. If we believe that God made the world and caused us to care for it, then we should be obedient. And in many ways, Christians should be leading in this area. Look, Christians have an incredible record of leading in areas of social justice and, and campaigning for it. Look at Wilberforce and the ab- abolition of slavery. So maybe if we can start at actively caring for creation, others around us might, be able, might begin to see us living an integrated, holistic gospel in our lives. So that's one big area, which I think Christians often are barking, but not quite biting. Another area, I think, is talking to others about our faith. Um, we see in John 7, when Nicodemus comes back, that he ends up defending Jesus in front of hostile Pharisees, um, which is tough for him to do. At the beginning of this term, Jesse and I set each other, so Jesse is someone who comes to G2, and we set each other a challenge of having one good God's conversation a day for a week with a non-Christian friend, which should not be a challenge. That really shouldn't be hard. If I'm saying that I, hand on heart, believe, What John 3.16 says, I believe that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son to come and die for me so that I could be reunited with the creator of the universe, which is the most incredible news that I could possibly share with anyone. Having one conversation about that a day shouldn't be a challenge, but it really, really was. (laughs) I think at the end of the week, I had had about three conversations out of seven days. Uh, it was, I think I, was, I took the opportunities when they were obvious and in front of me, but as soon as there was a potential for me to be judged or put in a slightly socially awkward situation, I just bailed because I didn't, I didn't want that to happen. Um, I think I was, I was relying far too much on my own strength and my own ability to do that, but we, I was forgetting what verse 6 says, that Jesus has given us his spirit, and when we step out in his spirit, his spirit will multiply in us and grow in us and strengthen us so what's our personal response to nicodemus's interaction with jesus in this uh, this passage the first thing to note is that he came to jesus that's the most important thing he was there um, which is incredible and he might have been ostracized he might have been unpopular but he was there and he asked honest questions and received some honest tough but honest answers from jesus which were totally radical and mind-blowing but after receiving jesus's tough love he went out and made a difference And he couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it when his identity was based in his intelligence and his social status. But when his identity was in Jesus, that's when he could go out um, and make a difference, when he understood that Jesus needed to be the defining feature of his life. Um, And I I think we need to ask Jesus, where in our lives can we make a change and stop being like Bella, missing those squirrels, and start being like Stanley, killing those badgers? Where is it? (laughs) But where is it in our lives there's a, maybe there's a specific area in your life that Nicodemus has prompted um, or maybe it's one of the two things I talked about, the environment and speaking to our friends uh, which has really hit home and it would be so great if we think of all of us here, if we changed our attitude um, and changed one thing in our lives, what would this church community look like? If we all made one big change this week, what would it look like at next, this time next week? So I think it would be great if we could spend a a few minutes now just speaking to the people next to us about what we want to change. Um, I've got a slide up with some different ideas about environmental things. There's climate stewards which is uh, carbon offsetting, bulb which is affordable, renewable energy and there's other simple things, just switching the lights off just taking plastic bags. There are lots of little easy steps we can take in our lives to start biting and not just barking about the environment. But maybe you have other things, different areas of your life. So, But what would I would... what i would love is that i've you all thought of something and committed to doing something this week and then when you you speak to the person next to you and you swap numbers or if you're comfortable or add each other on facebook or something and halfway through this week commit to sending that person a message to check in if they've actually done what they're going to say because that's what this whole thing is about it's about following through with what we're going to say we're going to do so if you all think of something and actually commit and actually check up on each other then we'll all be in a. We'll be living a much more godly life, and we won't just be like Silly Bella. We'll be like Stanley. So, please do have a chat and have a think.